On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we're giving Dean Evason a couple of things to consider over the rest of the offseason as we gear up for 2023-2024. Your Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. If this is your first time tuning into Lockdown Wild, we are glad to have you along. Make sure to take the time to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new episodes throughout the rest of the week. If you're an everydayer who tunes in each and every day and is off trying to get your Monday on a good start, we're glad to have you back. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we discuss three critical areas that Dean Evason needs to tweak his approach as we gear up for the 2023-2024 season, including his stance on rookies, the lineup, We'll talk about all of that coming up here on today's show. My name is Seth Topal, your daily Minnesota Wild insider. We're giving some homework to Dean Evason today as we continue to push towards the start of the season. And I did want to lay out, you may have seen it on Twitter, that uh, I mentioned that Lockdown Wild is uh, starting boot camp on August 1st. We are going to focus in on a lot of different areas as we gear up and officially flip the page to 2023-2024. We'll get you ready with every possible angle there is for the Minnesota Wilds, players, expectations, line combinations, special teams, divisional head-to-heads. We'll cover everything uh, as we get you fully set for the upcoming season. And that includes the need for Dean Evason to just tweak his approach to this season a little bit. We know Dean is a coach who, when things are going well, when the team is racking up a ton of wins, he doesn't make really any changes. And that can work for a team that continues to win. We saw this two years ago. We saw this during stretches this past season. But that approach only really works if you avoid major injuries and if you just are okay with going into a game-in, game-out situation with just throwing the same lineups out there. And we, we see this a lot. And we've seen it as well when things aren't going well, where the lineups just may remain rigid. I compare it to somebody welding a couple of pieces of of metal together. They're they are inseparable. Once they are fused together, that that's what you have. And it, it's there are a couple of different trains of thought for that notion. Is I understand wanting to let players work out of particular situations. Uh, just trying to not come off as overly panicking. But 
we had stretches this past season, the wild had stretches this past season. Uh, I think of Sam Steele in particular, where he was up on the top line and he went seven or eight games without a single point in terms of a contribution and didn't see anything in the way of trying to move things around. And there just seemed to always be a reluctance to do anything in terms of, of real changes in the lineup, despite just what we see on the ice, not matching up with how things should be looking. And so the first point that we're going to dive into today is what I'm calling lineup rigidity. And this is something that's, that has become kind of a Dean Evison special. And again, when things are going right, when the team is winning, I understand you're not going to make a ton of changes. But we, I, I think the thing that was most bothersome about, for instance, the postseason loss to Dallas was just trying to ram your head into the wall over and over with the same sorts of things. We didn't see any changes really until the final game of the series in which you saw two players flipped in the lineup. And beyond that, things went right back to where they were as that game started to unravel during the first and second periods. And so there, I think just needs to be more of a willingness to adapt to the flow of the game. And you may go in with Kirill, Ryan Hartman, and Matt Zuccarello penciled in as your top line. Well, if something happens during the course of the game, if you are finding yourself trailing to where you need some looks to really pull yourself back in, don't be afraid to break it up beyond one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. You can take those combinations and mix and match players. And we have seen, I think one of the surprising wrinkles is this combination of Caprizov, Zuccarello and Boldy after a successful penalty kill. And that's one of the only examples, though, that I can think of, of instances in which a traditional line combination is kind of ripped apart in favor of trying some new things. This is most glaring, I think, when you have situations in which a particular player may be having uh, a, a, a hot week, a hot couple of weeks, and just continues to be put in the same spot in the lineup. And that's especially frustrating if other line combinations aren't producing to where you think, hey, let's just try elevating particular player A into a higher spot in the lineup and see if they can help get a particular line back on track. Uh, and you, you just see the same combinations on a night in night out basis. And so I, I think, especially with some moving parts that we'll talk about coming up next, 
with some moving parts in this lineup, some younger players that are going to be part of this lineup, I think allowing for some flexibility up and down in the lineup and not just for veterans allow for some younger players if they perform well to hop up higher in the lineup as opposed to just penciling them in in permanent marker into a spot and saying well that's that's the spot we have open for them it's a fluid process these lines can you are allowed to make line changes during the course of the season during the course of a game even so let's open our minds to allowing for the potential to make changes throughout the course of a game. And if you see a couple of games go by and you don't like what you're seeing from a particular combination, don't be afraid to mix it up and try some new things. That's a common theme. I think for a lot of people, I I know we're well into the year, but I think of new year's resolutions Trying new things is always a popular one. And so if we could instill one value in Dean Evison for this coming season, don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to move people around in the lineup to try to find those optimal combinations. And don't be afraid as well to go away from something to try to find something better. Don't be afraid to, you know, want to do better than what you think are your most optimal line combinations. And that ties into item number two, which is dealing with young players who are going to get opportunities to play on this year's team. So let's talk rookies and young players that should be critical pieces of what this team is doing this season as we continue today's episode of Locked on Wilds after this. Our next partner has a product I use on an everyday basis. And look, I have always been somebody who's taken multivitamins and always been somebody who has kind of hit a wall around the lunch hour during the workday. And the biggest reasons that I went to AG1 is because it streamlines the entire process. You don't have to get seven or eight different bottles of multivitamins, arrange them all, take them all as you're heading out the door for your workday. AG1 gives you every single component you could possibly want. And it also helps you keep your energy consistent throughout the course of the day. All it takes is one scoop of AG1, and you are setting yourself up with 75 high-quality ingredients that feature daily nutrition and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. Covering my nutritional bases for the day could not be easier with AG1. Just mix one scoop of wa- um, one scoop of AG1 into a cup of water, and you're done. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just head to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network 
Again, drinkag1.com slash NHL Network to get started and take control of your life and your health today. Continuing today's episode of Lockdown Wild, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. For the everydayers, make sure that you stay tuned throughout the rest of the week as we'll dive back into uh, some prospective free agents in 2025-2026. The big names that we looked at were very popular, but we're going to go a tier lower for those that would rather divvy up the $14 million that uh, will be coming off the books in 2025-2026, thanks to Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. For those that would rather split that money up into three or uh, three or four different players, we'll find some names in that category for you as well. We continue to look at some areas that Dean Evason will need to improve upon for this upcoming season. We talked about the line rigidity that seems to be a uh, common theme throughout the last couple of seasons. And now let's talk about trusting the kids, trusting the young players. We all know how the Kalen Addison situation played out. Just a, a weird situation that led to Addison essentially being an afterthought as the season unfolded, despite the success he was able to achieve with the uh, top power play unit. Well, does need a little work on the defensive side of the ice, but I think the part that was most frustrating about how Addison's situation was handled is that you had other players in the lineup that were making mistakes to maybe even a more egregious degree, and yet the rookie is the one that pays the price for it, which was why seeing Brock Faber start in the postseason was a surprise for me. Because it just is not something that we've seen from Dean, with the exception of your Kirill Kaprizovs, your Matt Boldies, and even Matt Boldy came up for a, a couple of games and then was called up again to uh, finally kind of get his firm footing. But he he spent a good amount of time at the AHL level before he was, uh, was up and uh, up to stay at the NHL level. But we look at the Kalen Addison situation. The Marco Rossi situation is a similar vein as well. You think that Rossi would be a better fit in a top six role. And he was put on the fourth line to start off his uh, NHL debut. And it led to just this weird in-between situation in which he wasn't producing because he wasn't really put in a situation with, you know, playmakers on either side to maximize some of his skill set. He was put with some of those bottom six grinders. It, it just it didn't work out. It led to him going back to Iowa, spending the rest of the season down there. And we have seen just this this reluctance to put players like that in in spots to succeed. It has always been this, well, you got to earn it approach. And that just over these next couple of seasons is not going to fly because you don't have money 
to really you, you don't really have any money to allocate for any spots other than retaining players who are restricted free agents. And so this roster is one in which you're going to need to fill some of those spots with young players. We look at the roster spot that was vacated by Gustav Nyquist slash Sam Steele slash Oscar Sunquist. And that's one that Rossi is going to be filling. But are you really going to, as it looks like is the case right now, are you really going to pencil him in as a third line guy? Especially with Freddie Goudreau and Marcus Foligno. Now, Goudreau is fine, but we've seen with Foligno over this past season, especially, just is not somebody that can help drive play for an offensive line. Now, he can be a physical presence on a third checking line. He can do that, but anytime he was put in a situation with a a more offense-oriented line, it just it didn't work out. And so I, I just I think we're going to need to see some trust. And this is a, another kind of common theme that we've tried to instill as this offseason has um, moved on is that with young players, there are going to be some growing pains, but you can't you can't look at one mistake from a young player and say, oh, yeah, that we, we can't have that. You've got to you got to take your lumps on the bench and. um We'll we'll get you in if there's an injury or something along those lines. You have to let young players learn from those mistakes and move forward and grow and develop. You end up, if you just punish the young players for mistakes, you end up leading to a situation in which all of your young players are afraid to afraid to fail. You can't be afraid to fail. Failure is life. There are all sorts of situations in which we learn from mistakes. We learn from things not going according to plan, and that's how we grow. So we're going to need to see instances in which players like Brock Faber, Kalen Addison, Marco Rossi, for starters, those are the three that we'll probably see right off the bat. But there will be others because this team is not going to be immune to injuries. Maybe won't have them to the extent that they did this past season. But you're not going to be immune to injuries. And the way that this roster is set up, any injury that happens to the NHL roster is going to lead to a player like Adam Beckman getting a call up, depending on if it's on offense or on defense. It's going to be Iowa guys filling the spots. You don't have the luxury of, you know, three or four veterans that don't start per se. You don't have those luxuries. So there's going to need to be trust in these young players to step in and to get the job done. And if you have a rookie that, hops into the lineup and impresses that you weren't anticipating uh, being able to do so, 
don't be afraid to ride it out. That's the thing with rookies that sets them apart from veterans in a lot of cases is you have a veteran player that you know what they have. You know their ceiling. You know their floor. And so you know what you're going to get from a baseline performance a lot of the time. With rookies, you really don't. You can expect that they're maybe going to be at worst at that same level, but they can vastly exceed that if they get that confidence going. So those three rookies, young players, are going to be the ones that we see to start, but there will be more. And so there needs to be from Dean some faith in the kids. Trust the kids to get the job done and um, let them learn, good or bad. Let them learn from experience as this team goes. Now, the third one is a little more interesting because some of it comes with the play style that this Minnesota team has has had under Dean Evison, but we've seen it really uh, we've seen it rear its ugly head, especially the last two postseasons. And so we're going to talk a little about discipline as we finish today's episode of Lockdown Wilds after this. Final segment of today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure you take the time to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any new episodes as we move closer to the start of the season and as we move closer to Lockdown Wild Boot Camp, which starts August 1st with a ton of new content gearing up for the 2023-2024 season. So, we talked about lineup construction, roster rigidity. We talked about trusting young players. Let's talk about overall discipline a little bit as well. The Wild have been a team under Dean Evison that has not been shy about taking penalties. And this is kind of a, a combo platter of issues that this causes. It puts strain on your special teams, which we have seen get pretty systematically picked apart the last two postseasons. And there needs to be, there needs to be at the baseline an understanding of if we're going to be a team that is susceptible to taking penalties, we need to make sure that both special teams units, but especially the penalty kill, We need to make sure that they are constructed in a way in which we're not relying on one guy or two guys to do the bulk of the lifting. And that comes from allowing new players opportunities to slot into some of those spots. And if you're not going to clean up the penalties and a lot of the penalties, let's be honest, a lot of the penalties are not of the you know fighting variety or or things along those lines it, it's been a lot of guys out of position trying to overcompensate tripping slashing hooking you name it and so some of that falls back on 
the players, but also the enforcement from higher up. If you have guys that are taking too many penalties, we started to see some of this this past season, but it needs to continue. If you have players that are just trotting to the box on a nightly basis, you have to enforce that that type of play is not acceptable because it it leads to situations where you're just you're giving the opponent a free shot essentially again and as you get into the postseason and this i'm i'm not telling anybody anything new here we all saw it as you get into the postseason you start to run into better and better special teams units and in the case of the Wild, who tend to be on the higher end of the penalty spectrum, a lot of times you're going up against special teams units that are able to make you pay for it in quick fashion. And so there needs to be a little more accountability, I think, in terms of, of discipline, penalty discipline. Now, I understand if a player from the opposition goes at Kirill or, or somebody else, there's going to be steps made to retaliate, which it leads to fights, which leads to all the penalty minutes that that encompasses. I'm not really talking about those in this instance. It's the other penalties. It's the delay of game penalties, flipping a puck up into the stands just completely nonchalantly. There just needs to be more accountability from the coaches that we need to clean the play up a a fair amount. And so you do that, you hold players more accountable, veterans included, you hold players more accountable for their performance. And those numbers will start to come down is you just Focus on putting guys in positions to better succeed. You make them kind of own up to it. If if they're committing too many, that will improve the play of the team to where they're not getting called as much. And then you're not putting as much strain on a penalty kill unit. And so that's the third leg of this off-season homework for Dean Evason is to just kind of figure out a way to clean the penalties up for this team. And if you do that, if you put your trust in the young players, the rookies, and you be a little more fluid with the lineup, then I think a lot of the frustrations, and rightfully so, that have been voiced on this channel by wild fans in general. Some of those frustrations will start to kind of dial back a little bit, but also let's just me saying this here, let's fully acknowledge the fact that a lot of coaches, when they get to that particular point, get pretty set in their ways. And so as much as I would like to see these three areas uh, improved upon this upcoming season. I also am keeping an open mind to the fact that they may not, which will be frustrating. But 
We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. As for right now, Dean, here's a couple things for you uh, to to gather as we move through the rest of the offseason. That will do it for today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Thank you once again for tuning in and making Lockdown Wild your first listen each and every day. Make sure to take the time to subscribe on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss out on any new content throughout the rest of the offseason. We have new episodes all week long as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.